You're listening to the Australian Water Association podcast series. My name is Joe Taranto and joining me is Mark Babick, James Wallace and Lucas Finch from Sydney Water. Mark is Acting Manager for Safety Centre of Excellence. James Wallace is the Acting Head of Safety, Health and Wellbeing. And Lucas Finch is a Health and Wellbeing Specialist. And we're discussing maximising employee performance and wellbeing through an employee lifecycle approach. Welcome, guys. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. James, a lifecycle approach sounds like a pretty appropriate name for a program at a water utility. What exactly does it mean when it comes to employee safety and well-being? The lifecycle approach was brought into Sydney Water by uh, my predecessor, Tony Filicaridis, who wanted to look at the way that we, we supported workers throughout the entire continuum from when they are on board it to when they leave the organisation. And we had a really aspirational, um, I guess, uh, goal there that we wanted people to leave the organisation better than they arrived. So part of that is really understanding the, the different challenges and opportunities we have with getting safety and wellbeing right for our people, right from the start through to the end and all the parts in between. And you do have quite a lot of staff at Sydney Water. Take me back to 2017. Is it is it fair to say that safety performance wasn't where you guys wanted it to be? Yeah, that would be a really fair statement. Um, so we really needed to change the way we were doing things. At the time, we had a very compliance-focused uh, approach to safety. It was more checklists, more complexity, um, not really listening to employees, really giving employees been giving procedures and and documents and things about the work that they know how to do because they're doing it all day and every day, but they're getting hit with procedures written by people in a corporate office that have no real idea of the work. And not only did is that not the best way to do things, it certainly didn't create a, a culture of trust or respect. So the Safety Differently approach is really based around you know, changing the way that we look at how employees work and what sort of work they do. So rather than looking at people as a problem to be solved, the approach was to look at people as a solution. And what that's done without, without purchasing any new equipment, creating new procedures or more complexity, we've actually seen the safety performance improve really from the basis of respecting people, trusting them to do their work that they know how to do. And that's also had some flow on effects to our overall culture as well. Mark, you've been involved in the injury management side of this. Can you tell us a bit about what that involved? Uh, look, yeah, Joe. Um, initially, when I sort of looked at our return to work culture, I realised that um, as an organisation, um, a lot of our employees, once they were medically cleared to come back to work, um, would generally just sort of re-enter the, the workplace without uh, any additional support or, or follow-up. Um, essentially, we were sort of saying, good luck to our employees and we hope that you don't re-injure yourselves. Uh, this sort of created a, a culture among the employees, particularly from a, a workers' compensation um, perspective, where we had multiple um, claims from one employee or multiple employees. So we really need to look at how do we support our employees from an injury management perspective once they've actually been cleared to come back to work. And that what we realised was what I did, I actually spoke to a lot of the employees and they everyone had a different perception on how difficult their role or physically demanding their role was. So we decided to carry out a, a job task analysis of our 18 high-risk roles and created a, a job dictionary where we videotaped each task 
and also engage the services of an external provider to use a sensor technology. Um, essentially having pads put on our employees while they're performing a task in order to create a, a movement profile. Um, this enabled us to document um, the physical requirements of their roles, but ensuring what we, we did, we were able to um, identify uh, how we would actually look at supporting that individual um, from a health surveillance perspective, and that would be um, incorporating a, a service called initial care, which is our medical response model uh, with allied health professionals able to look at those um, job dictionaries and ensure that we've got the right exercise programs available for our staff um, to ensure sustainability going forward. Mark, that medical response model, how important is that for making employees feel looked after when they've injured themselves? Oh, it's extremely important. What we essentially we've done is created the job dictionaries, which is accessible by all medical practitioners. And they were able to review that document and those physical demands to ensure that the employee doesn't pose any risk when they are able to come back to work. And once they've actually cleared, it enables us to look at how we support that employee going forward. Employees are able to um, openly communicate with, with doctors and physiotherapists in regards to what they do. And the ability just to have video um, um, you know, footage available to a medical practitioner is, is, is quite crucial in understanding the true nature of the role. So injury management is one aspect of responding to safety. Why did you choose to look at wellbeing as well, Lucas? When we first launched the wellbeing program, we had a look, uh, we did a systems review to really understand um, how our systems and processes supported wellbeing across leadership and training. And so we really had a good baseline of understanding how our systems were set up to support our employees. Um, but in addition to that, we also rolled out a number of uh, psychometric surveys, understanding um, not only what psychosocial factors were setting our employees up for success and, and maybe detracting from it, uh, but also the organisational climate. We used a, a metric called psychosocial safety climate to really understand uh, how the climate the organisation was um, creating in regards to health, safety and wellbeing and how that was affecting and being sort of perceived by our staff. And what specific initiatives did that lead to then, Lucas? So the program was developed um, to uh, support people in need, um, to reduce risk in ident people identified in at risk of compromised wellbeing. Uh, in addition to that, also to promote positive wellbeing throughout the organisation. And we did this through through three ways. We, we, we had a look at our systems. So we had a look at things like our policies, procedures, but also our EAP system. So we, we relabeled that to my wellbeing, my way, and which accompanied a, a really dramatic increase in scope to not only be about counselling, uh, but to support wellbeing holistically. So the new service has dietitians and exercise physiologists and uh, a whole range of different um, coaching specialists uh, to support well, uh, wellbeing goals of employees uh, right across the spectrum of wellbeing. And then second, we looked at our training. So we increased capability across the organisation, across you know, uh, through managers, uh, the executive team, coaching them in terms of how to influence psychosocial safety climate and psychosocial risk factors. Uh, in addition to that, uh, a huge campaign in terms of mental health awareness and how managers um, can influence well-being through the, the design of their work and how they support their employees. And in, in addition to the, the 
systems and the training. We also looked at engagement, which was a key part. So we looked at, we, we enlisted 35 wellbeing champions into the organisation. So these were really young and enthusiastic, well, not necessarily young, but, but really enthusiastic people who are, who are keen to make a change in wellbeing. And these people helped drive a huge part of the campaign across the business. Um, we launched lived experience videos. So people with a lived experience of mental illness or mental health difficulties uh, to really help normalise and decrease the stigma of mental health across the organisation. Um, and in addition to that, we sort of made sure we had some top-down endorsement. So we had a series of, of videos and, and emails and a whole campaign uh, to really show staff that wellbeing was uh, something that the organisation was prioritising and, and really committed to. Well, there's certainly a lot of aspects to the Safety Differently campaign. I'm going to throw to each of you just to talk about what you've seen the impacts for Sydney Water. Uh, James, firstly with you. I've been at Sydney Water for almost 10 years and I've, and I've worked all around the um, business. For me, the change um, has been quite amazing and, and really exciting to be a part of it. Some of the best ideas for new innovations and new ways of doing things are coming from the people doing the work, which sounds really simple, um, but the change that that's created has just flowed across the organisation into lots of different parts of, of the way that we work. And, and our results have spoken for themselves. I was just reflecting then on what Lucas was talking about with the uh, My Wellbeing My Way program, where it might seem like, for you know, we're saying, yes, we're adding in people can now access dietitians and exercise physiologists and get financial advice. And yes, that comes at a cost. But because the organisation has seen fit to look past the short-term cost and accept that the longer-term benefits are there, we've, we're seeing the impact of that now. Yes, our EAP costs have gone up a little bit, but the fact that we haven't had any serious psychological claim, uh, workers' compensation claims in the past couple of years, it, it, it more than pays for itself. Um, so that's, that's been really exciting to be a part of. For you, Mark, is it a similar experience? Oh, definitely. You know, we've seen that from a financial perspective. We've actually re reduced our uh, workers' compensation claims significantly. Uh, we've reduced our premium. Um, and this is a reflection of um, engaging with our employees and ensuring that they've got... Uh, the right support there and when we talk about support it's actually being able to see that their dialogue with our um, medical practitioners enables them to actually focus on more um, them as a holistic approach exercise programs uh, weight loss um, general medical advice um, for non-work related issues it all comes together and, and 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 employees are really engaged with that and they identify with our medical practitioners in order to to utilize those services and you, Lucas? One of the metrics, the psychosocial safety climate, it's a bit of a mouthful, but um, it was the, the um, backbone of the program when we launched it. We measured the, the, the data. We, we rolled out all those initiatives we talked about, and we were really pleased to see a significant reduction um, in the psychosocial safety climate risk. And so our, we improved our PSC score um, and we also improved a number of those other factors associated with with doing uh, with improving the PSC, which was excellent. It's wonderful to see that by basically showing that you care, by you know showing that you prioritise your staff's well-being, you, you know that you care about and you're interested in in uh, making sure that they're they're well at work. Uh, it has significant individual and also organisational outcomes. It certainly sounds like there's been a huge amount of positive. Um, outcomes from this program. What would you say, each of you, to other organisations looking on embarking on a new safety program for their business? James, can I start with you? One of the the big cha 
changes for me has been looking at safety as a cultural program or a cultural um, unit, business unit, rather than a sort of an assurance unit. That's been that was quite a change for me personally to to think of it in that in that sense. Um, but that's really where it needs to be. The only other thing I would say as well, particularly in in relation to some of Lucas's and Mark's work as well, is to is where you can use data to make decisions. One of the ways we've been able to get the wellbeing program in particular to be really successful is we've made the decisions on what programs and and issues we've rolled out based on on evidence. What about for you, Mark? What would you say to other organisations? By truly sort of understanding your roles and the physical demands and all the cognitive demands, you're able to est- establishing a, a baseline to know how to implement an early intervention program and actually look at how do you provide that medical and advisory services. And I emphasise that advisory services. There's an opportunity for organisations out there to tap into that and provide that health um, information and support early prior to the employee sustaining an injury. And I think that's what we've done here. We've really engaged with our employees to truly understand what their role is and the demands placed on them, but also giving them an avenue to, to look at their own health and provide that base for them to um, be more, more sustainable in what they do. And if they are injured, knowing that they're going to be supported um, throughout the process and we talk about the life cycle, life cycle approach and that's from pre-employment through annual fitness assessments that we call fit for work medical assessments and, and that's really ensuring that the employees are aware of where they are physically and what support services are available for them in a medical sense. And Lucas, lastly, what would you say? I feel like a lot of the, the most impactful things that, that people can do at, at an organisational level doesn't have to cost a lot of money and it doesn't have to um, be that difficult. It's about showing that you care. Um, there's a huge amount of uh, evidence to show uh, that, you know, managers sending emails, uh, you know, creating a culture where there's psychological safety, people could put their hand up and and uh, make mistakes and show their vulnerability and discuss the, you know, the whole spectrum of mental health um, that we, we fluctuate through during our lives. I think that there's a huge amount of uh, low-hanging fruit um, and it's great if this is driven from the top down. I've been speaking with Mark Babick, Acting Manager for Safety Centre of Excellence, James Wallace, the Acting Head of Safety, Health and Wellbeing, and Lucas Finch, the Health and Wellbeing Specialist, all from Sydney Water. Thank you for your time today. Thank you. Thanks, Joe. Thank you, Joe.